This is an ABC podcast. We've been locked up for a couple of years. It's time to stick it about. on. Hello, Zan. Hello, Miv. How are you? I'm excited to see you. I know. I've had two double shot coffees, just a heads oh, up. You should see her. Her eyes are like, <laughs> she's pinned. She's very excited. Her jaw's going. Yeah, I'm feeling good though. I was out at a gig last night and I got into bed late. Oh, a Wednesday night where'd gig. where you go? I went and saw Tyler, the creator. Oh, how was it? It was amazing. Yeah. Like, it, I think there's certain gigs like that. He was playing at Rod Laver Arena, which if you don't know it, is a venue that holds about 12,000 people. It's a big venue. Mm. And he's got a lot of young fans. And when you get that kind of vibe where... It's just like a bunch of, well, first of all, a lot of people in the audience were stoned and the fact that they still brought the energy, I say kudos to yeah. you. Because <laughs> all I want to do if that's ever happened, not that I've ever done it, but, you know, um, all I ever want to do is lie down. Yeah, sit on the beanbag. <laughs> uh, but they were up, there was vaping going on. I was loving it. and then Vaping the, indoors. Yeah, Oh, yeah. There was the security guards, I think, just sort of thought, Gave let's up. just like let you have your fun. No one's um, causing any injury here. Have no. your fun. But then lots of screaming girls as well. So it's kind oh, of wow. pretty evenly divided male and female fans. And they were there for it. And it was loud and bassy and there was explosions. Oh, I love it. And there was a great set. It was fun. But, yeah, I got into bed late, so I needed a little double uh, serve of double shot lattes this morning. How good's going out too? Going out is good. I know, I know. Look, I know that we've been able to go out for quite a while, but I'm still a little, there's a little part of me that's still really excited about going out sometimes. And I and I think I see it as a as a privilege now. Oh, which totally. Is, you which don't, you don't pass those opportunities by because yeah. you're like, you know what, things could change again. We know what it's like when it's taken away. So grab those opportunities. You never know what's around the corner. Mm. Sorry, in a positive way. In a positive way. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a big week. It feels like last week when we were farewell in the Bang Fam and, and recommending that you watch Neighbours. That oh. feels like it happened a year ago now. Oh, that was only last week. I'm still trying to get over it, though, Zan. I cried. I sat at home on the couch <laughs> and sobbed and sobbed. I'm not sure if it was when they showed um, Madge. Ghost Madge. S- Ghost Madge. Or is it Terry Donovan? Yeah. On sitting at the table and I think that's just when I sobbed right at the end. I was like, <laughs> and I was like thinking about the passing of time and neighbours and me as a kid and, oh, God, it was a lot. It was a lot. And seeing Scott and Charlene, i.e. Jason and Kylie, come back and Mike and Plain Jane Superbrain getting it on back together in their middle age, their, their midlife, finding each other again. It was just beautiful. It really was. And I think like you just mentioned, you know, it took you back to your childhood. There are plenty of people who have continued to watch Neighbours over the last couple mm. of decades. But, you know, cards on the table, you and I are not included in that. I've watched like, it for about 20 years. Yeah, Neighbours is like something that I watched, you know, obsessively when I was a kid. And then I had a moment when I was kind of a late teenager where I was watching it when I was in a, in a share house. Um, and we were having deep moments. Um, might have been under the influence of deep, something. Deep moments. Definitely experienced yeah. neighbours in a different way during those years. <laughs> but, you know, I haven't really watched it since then, pretty much since like the late 90s. I know. And it was. What did you decide in those deep moments? <laughs> I decided that Susan Kennedy was an icon. Yeah, she is. The trip to Africa. Um, oh. I just, I took a lot from that. I took a lot from that. I saw things. I felt things. All oh, right. Um, anyway. Do you remember when <laughs> Helen Dang- Daniels went off to the Bungle Bungles too? That was always really good. No. That, but I did love that, seeing her and like old footage. I loved how they cut in old yeah. footage and weren't ashamed to do that. And Helen Daniels, I'd forgotten. She was 
such a um, a calming and guiding light throughout mm. all of Neighbours. Like she really was. She was the matriarch of the whole street and yeah. she was an icon too. Yeah, so many icons on that show. But it was, you know, kind of a game of catch up and I, and I won't be ashamed to say either that I was basically on Wikipedia trying to follow storylines because I'd forgotten how, you know, minority report style everyone was connected. It was like an FBI <laughs> kind of <laughs> sheet with like pieces idea. of string connected. Like how do these people go, relate? Standing there with your bits of string and, and pins and just trying to work it all out. That's and you, great. You know that I always love to do my homework. So I yeah. actually, you know, in the afternoon before the finale, when I got home after banging on. No, you didn't. I went prep. on to 10 Play and I watched a few episodes <laughs> from the week leading up. So I was like, I just need a bit of background. Like I'm here to say it did not help me at all. <laughs> but I got the vibe. And the thing that struck me was I haven't watched a soap opera in so long. I know. And soap operas are so soapy. So soapy and almost like slow TV too. The pace is incredible slow and I love that. I think we've we've changed so much in terms of the way we consume media and consume entertainment. It was nice to just step back and take the foot <laughs> off the pedal and just just take it easy. Have a nice slow episode where you can have a chat during it. Have a look at your phone. Not miss a thing. Great. I think we're also so used to having high production values in streaming shows and all these iconic mm. programs that we talk about. And just to you know take it a step back and and look at sets that basically look like display kitchens from Ikea, you know, yeah. really shit production values totally. on Neighbours. Scenes that abruptly end and aren't resolved, just left open. It's like that wasn't tied up. And in the finale, Daniel McPherson's character, can I just point out, mm. saying, oh, I can't make it to your wedding. And then they cut him in at the end and he's clearly been filmed separately and he's at he's in the street partying. It's like, but you told us yeah. an hour ago that you weren't going to be there and then you've forgotten that or you've just decided, oh, Doesn't we'll just matter. film you. Let's just throw you in. They just <laughs> chucked him in. They just chucked him in. And Natalie and Brulier and um, Holly, Valance. Holly Valance, they'd never even met the characters that were getting married. So Just on a park bench. Just on a park bench and but just decided to send a video message, <laughs> which I love. And there was some controversy around Jason and Kylie because they, of course, turned up and then proceeded to say, perhaps about four words between yeah, them, yeah. and it was weird. It was weird. It was really weird, and I was going, oh, good goodness me, are these two to up themselves, to contribute to this? They've just said they'll turn up and only appear in person but not say anything because they didn't want to really be a part of it, be a part of it. But no, I was wrong. I should not have jumped to that conclusion. Like everybody else. At all. Should never have done that. What happened was... And I think this is why some bits felt so disjointed. They hadn't actually written the episode when Kylie and Jason could do it together. So what they did was film scenes that they could just slot in (laughs) to show that they were there. Generic Kylie and Jason scenes. Home sweet home Home Kylie and Jason scenes. Yeah, and that was it. And so that's, that's what happened. And so they wanted to be in it and wanted to show their love for the show that really kicked it off for them both in the same way that Guy Pearce did. But it was weird because Guy did so much work and heavy lifting in that show. Yeah. And he was amazing, as did Annie Jones, who plays Plain Jane Superbrain. Um, Yeah, their midlife rekindled love story is the next soap I want to watch. If they can make that happen, that would be great. But, yeah, obviously Jason and Kylie didn't contribute because of those reasons. Okay, so that's good to clear that up. No more shade on on Kylie and Jason. No shade. Guy Pearce and and Annie Jones just really were the, the heart of that final series and yeah people are asking for spin-offs I loved seeing Guy Pearce um, just kind of shine as well and really embrace it like there was no 
cynicism or irony in his performance. Yeah. He was taking, like, his that sort of scene where he's going around to all the houses, and I think yeah. that was just so perfect for everyone who hasn't visited Erinsborough. He's, like, taking us all back through this nostalgic trip mm. of all these different houses and the memories of them. And he just gave his all, yeah. and I feel like the Australia... We've always loved Guy Pierce, but I feel like the Guy Naissance mm. is upon us. I it feel is. like it was just a re I love that Guy Naissance. That's a, good. A reminder of just what an a great actor he is and just what a down to earth and awesome yeah, human he is. Absolutely. Love Guy Pierce. And I reckon he wouldn't have done it for much either. I reckon he would have done it for a few um couple of vouchers at the local Maccas. Slab of beer. And yeah, and a <laughs> and a slab of beer. That's what I feel like. He totally. Because, you know, this would be like falling off a chair for him quite easy. He could just do it with his eyes closed. Yeah. And so he's just, oh, well, I'll get to hang out with Stefan Dennis again. Don't want to make you feel good. <laughs> do you remember that song? It yes. reminded me of that song. God, that was aw- awesome. Sorry. I meant to say awesome. <laughs> Don't want to make you feel good. The Blakeney twins didn't get an appearance, though. Oh, my God. The Where Blakeney were they? twins. I mean, so many people, so many people went through the streets of Ramsey in an, or in the streets of Ramsey. Mm. It sounds like a Shakespearean play. It is. It is. <laughs> And the winner in the end, too, is Toadie. I mean, he's had a lot of wins over the years, hasn't he? Yep, a lot of wins, a lot of partners, a lot of drama. <laughs> but he's also come out on top. Like, he is the heart and soul of that, that show. Rebecca Lawyers. Yeah. Solicitor Toadfish. <laughs> Just wild. Absolutely wild. Absolutely. Oh, I loved uh, also having not been in um, in the neighbour's realm for many years, I loved knowing that um, Paul Robinson lived in the penthouse. Like, there is a penthouse. Oh, there is one. Spray. You know, when I was little and, we, you know, when you play games at home and I would play Officers, as I'm sure many mm. Bang fam did, and when we played Officers, we would be Paul and Paula Robinson because in my childlike mind, the um, the idea of success and corporate success was Paul Robinson from Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved that he was living oh, in the penthouse the in Aaronsborough. The penthouse. Yeah. Oh, I love this. It's just, Look, it was a beautiful night. And I really enjoyed it. And I haven't sat down and watched telly and cried for a long, long time. So that was that was divine. Thank you, neighbours. Sorry if we gave away all the spoilers there. I'm oh, sure look, that you've you watched, watched it. it by now. You've read about it. So <laughs> you'll be fine. The other big television event that happened. <laughs> I'm so harsh. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> Spoiler alert. The other big television event uh, that happened over the weekend on Friday night was the finale of Drag Race, All Stars, All Winners. I've been talking about this through the last few weeks and I won't go on about it. I just wanted to... Um, say congratulations to Jinx Monsoon. Mm. I love Jinx. She was my favourite from day dot. I missed the original season that she won, so this was my first introduction to Jinx. And she was just incredible. And the other thing that was exciting to see, which I realised after starting following her on Instagram, was that three years ago she booked a tour with another drag queen to Australia and she has been in the country this week or last week doing shows and she was in Melbourne the night that it was revealed. Because if you don't know, on Drag Race, they film the two different options. So the contestants, I mean, that's maybe explains why they're not like, oh, my God, because they're actually like filming as though they've won without knowing they've won. So they don't know which one's going to be aired, whether it was in the case of this finale, Jinx Monsoon or... Monet Exchange. They both filmed themselves winning and saying their acceptance speech, but until Friday night, they didn't know who had actually won. And she was in Melbourne when she discovered, and it's worth going into her social media to see her reaction. She's in the middle of getting her makeup done, so she's just got this, like, pancake beige face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and seeing that she's won 
$200,000. That's a lot of coin in this day and age. Queen of all queens, yep. the winner of the greatest season I've seen of Drag Race so far, all-stars, all winners. Do you think now that they've done all-stars, this might be heralding the end of the series? Because where do you go from here? Do you just keep it going or do you think this is something that, that might wind up? Not if Rue's got anything to do nah, with Rue it. No, Rue loves it. you got to work. And I love it. Yeah, you got to work. you got to work, I Just guess. seriously finishes one season and literally the next day on Saturday, Drag Race Down Under has started mm. to air on Stan as well with Which our we friend, Reese Rick- Nicholson. Right. So it just continues. It is a juggernaut of success and brings so much joy to so many people. So it's so, so exciting yeah. to see. Because she comfortable, comfortable in my skin. Well, a whole bunch of big, campy, queer culture references on the new Beyonce record. In fact, speaking of Drag Race, uh, she does particularly reference ballroom culture on Renaissance. She actually closes the record with a line, the category is bae. Yeah. (laughs) Which I love. And this is just such a love letter to... A whole bunch of incredible queens that have come before her. She actually said that when she released it, she was making the album in honour of her uncle Johnny, who passed away from HIV complications. And Johnny was the person that exposed her to the sounds that inspired Renaissance, you know. All, she calls Uncle Johnny her godmother mm. um, and introduced her to this incredible culture, this black queer culture that just lives supreme on this all-out party record. I love it so much. It's exactly what we needed at this time and she has an incredible read on what the culture needs and seems to just tap into it every time, which is amazing. We needed to hit the dance floor. We needed to get out. We needed to go out and have a party. We needed all of it and I think she's delivered in so many ways. It was, it's just a joy to listen to. It's nice to listen to something fun and just a little bit sexy too, a little bit. Oh, positive, a little bit. A li- <laughs> the little- day it was released, I was talking about it and someone <laughs> tweeted to me, Sam, is it just me or is this record a bit horny? It's totally horny. <laughs> it's very horny. I said sexy, but yes, it's horny. It's <laughs> horny. And, you know, it, but we've been locked up for a couple of years. It's time to stick it about. <laughs> Don't you think? And I think Beyonce it's time to gets dip it. your wick. Totally. <laughs> Shake it in out, shake it all about, all of that. Caitlin, our bang babe, is just looking delighted and disgusted at the same time and it is an amazing thing to see. So I think she's captured that feeling, you know. We want to go to clubs and we we want to breathe on people again, as gross as it is, (laughs) and sweat on people. In clubs and in bedrooms. And in all of it. Beyonce album review. This album makes me want to breathe on people. (laughs) Which is something I cultural critic. Which is something I haven't been able to do for years, you know. And look, to be honest, to be fair, we still can't. No, we should. But we can imagine what it's going to be like. I love the retrospective safety warning. Breathe on me with a mask, please. N95 or K95, if you can manage it. That's right. But it is like it is a big dance record, and if you haven't listened to it yet, what have you been doing with your life? But it is one designed to be played from beginning to end. It's sequenced so well. So good. It is a complete flow, and there are some amazing one-liners in it. So many moments where I was like, oh. But there is one lyric that got more attention than most, and you may have seen the news that Beyonce came under fire about her song Heated, which contained what many people consider an ableist slur. The same ableist slur that Lizzo was criticised for using just just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Now, this is uh, the word we're talking about is spaz. It's considered 
a derogatory reference to the medical term spastic diplegia, which is a form of cerebral palsy. And this is something that at the time when Lizzo um, put it in her song, a few people were saying, oh, it's just not used in the same way in America. But she, you know, that that's beside the point. It's something that she responded to. Hannah Diveny, an Australian mm. disability activist, pointed out to her, slid into her DMs. Lizzo came back and responded and said, I'm sorry, I made a mistake and changed the song. Mm. And so in that context, I thought it was really strange that Beyonce, who you know her and all of her team would have gone over this record with a fine-tooth comb, mm. it would have been years in the making, that got a lot of press. And for a couple of weeks later for her to release a song that has the same word in it, mm. Is there kind of an arrogance that it's like, oh, this is not going to affect me or we'll just wear it? Because she did get that response yeah. and she has now come out and said and done it, remove the word as well. Yeah. Why did she keep it in in the first place? I'm so confused. Yeah. I, look, maybe it was so close to the wire that she thought we can't do anything about it, but they certainly can. They certainly can and we found that. And I, I, I don't know, I, I'm not sure we could say that she would have been ignorant about it either. I'm sure she knew, mm. to be honest. Um, but we can't know inside her head. I did learn, though, if speaking about education and a lot of these conversations when I remember you talking about Lizzo a couple of weeks ago and the, her response was a good response mm. and just pointing out that things do happen and sometimes educating people is tiresome but things are shifting. Mm. One of the things that I learned in the last couple of weeks is that that term means something very different in African-American culture and that's something that quite a few people I saw on Twitter were pointing out. It means to kind of, you know, go nuts, like go crazy, dance, like really sort of vibe. Mm. And that, when I think about it, is like, okay, so Beyonce used it, Lizzo used it. The only other time I know that it's been used is in that N.E.R.D. song, which we talked about too, mm. another, you know, African-American-fronted outfit. So there's an education there. And I'm not saying that that's okay to use, but these words are meant in different ways in different cultures. And we're all learning a lot um, through this process. But that kind of shift of removing a lyric, which, as you say, she was able to do quite quickly in response to this, and now it's been changed across all streaming platforms, didn't just extend to this ableist slur, but also to a thing called an interpolation of the Khalees Banger Milkshake. What's an interpolation? I'm glad you asked me. It's not an interpretation. It's a. It's not an iteration. What is it? Well, I had to Google it because I've heard it said a few times, and you realise that it's actually been used in a bunch of pop songs. Basically, it refers to a melody. So, it's a melody from a previously recorded song, but you re-record the melody instead of sampling it. So you're not sampling the original. Mm. It's like a cover. Yeah. You're re-recording the melody. Like Stevie Wonder's melody in Gangster's Paradise, that's an interpolation. So it's been used for years. The Beyonce track that samples Donna Summer, but it's not a sample, it's Beyonce singing I Feel Love, is that an interpolation? Quite possibly. And you don't have to pay as much. For interpolations. Intrinstang. <laughs> so that's what an interpolation is. And Khalees was very vocal about uh, her upset at not being credited for the use of milkshake, rightly so. Um, and that opened up a huge can of worms as well in terms of a whole big discussion around her experience making music with Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo, the NARD team, around that record and how they've then given the go-ahead for Mm. this to be used to Beyonce. 
but Khalees is nowhere to be credited. Yeah. So it's a really messy, when you're thinking about the huge amount of credits that mm. live on Renaissance, it's a really messy sort of zone, isn't it? Especially when Beyonce really did try to put this record together with a level of integrity. Mm. There were real investigations into who did what in terms of, I think in the, on her last, uh, on a previous record, she's she's been called out because she utilised somebody who was up against some quite serious Me Too allegations. Right. Yeah, and I think they went through with a fine-tooth comb on this album, all the people that they used. So it seems interesting, though, that they didn't credit Khalees on a track that's quite clearly hers, mm. even though she's not credited in the production notes at all. Yeah, and she wasn't credited in the original song either, which is something that I learned. So when the song was written... I think she was credited as a performer, but in mm. terms of who owns the songwriting credits and the production credits, that's all NERD, which is a whole other conversation that you should listen to mm. and watch Khalees talk about. Yeah. She's been sharing her perspective on that time and the feelings of exploitation she had as a young artist being exploited by people um, who had a bit more skin in the game and a bit more experience and, um, in her words, took advantage of her. Yeah, But this whole kind of conversation around changing music, I just find that increasingly interesting. And I'm not, I'm not sure whether it's a good or bad thing. I just think it's a really interesting thing mm. in the times that we have because changing a record that you've spent a long time thinking about, this is a work of art, it's a capture, and then you put it out into the world and then days or a week or two afterwards there's public reaction and then you go back and you change something else in it. This is quite a new thing in it's a digital age because a small portion of records are going to be in physical media, but most of us are going to be listening through streaming services. So you can just do a quick fix, a little edit, and then just refresh and you've got the new version. But what what's your take on it? It's kind of, it kind of makes like this idea of music and, and art you know, a musical art form and a, a, a musical piece of art as a living document, mm. you know, once it's done, that's not necessarily the final product. Yeah, and, and I guess it always was a living document in that artists will always tour and perform, so you'll never get the exact recording version. So it, it's art and the creativity behind music is always, I think it's always living and always evolving. Mm. However, you're right, it is previously or has previously been considered a document mm. and it it begins and ends with that. Mm. Um, although I quite like it that things can change like this because it says that people are listening, whereas previously people would hide behind their art and say, this is what I made, how dare you change it, this is exactly how it is, and kind of F you to mm. anyone who's upset by something that they've included. So part of me actually quite likes the fact that people are turning around and going, oh, whoops, sorry, I'll, I'll make that different. And they're learning as part of the process. So I think that says more about our culture, that people are happy are happy to say we can change, mm. we are more flexible, mm. and I think that's good. But, yeah, it's it does mess with your understanding of what, say, an album is as as a document mm. in that it can be more malleable. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if that's good or bad, but I do like that artists are open to change. That That makes me happy because... I think that will have more of a trickle-down effect more broadly in the world. All the artists that have done this are female. Correct, exactly. Correct me if I'm wrong. Lady Gaga, um, Caitlin, our bang babe, was reminding us earlier that she changed 
um, part of a record she released a few years ago and removed all of the R. Kelly collaborations Mm. for obvious reasons. But has, I'm trying to think, has any male artist responded to public criticism and gone in and changed a lyric? I can't think of an example where uh, I I think a male's record would be combed through to the same extent that, say, Beyonce's would. Mm. People are just looking, Mm. looking for this with female artists, I, I hate to say it, mm. I don't think men are under a similar level of scrutiny mm. that, that female artists are. So I think that shows a real disparity in our society too. So it is only women thus far and because I, I simply don't think. Because there's got to be millions of records out there where there are artists who are saying the wrong things. Um, oh, you think? Yeah, millions, <laughs> but they're not being raked over the coals for it. So, no. <laughs> you know, um, it says a lot about still where we're at. Yeah. Hey, Miff, mm. have you got the ick? Surprisingly, <laughs> no, I don't. This is not the health segment. segment <laughs> What's the noise for Do- the This ick, is the dolly the doctor. Ick. The noise for the ick is like this. <laughs> Isn't it? When you see things that can't be unseen, this is an amazing piece you just said. It's so good. It's uh, got the ick, question mark, when a sudden pang of disgust ruins your romance. Now, this is turned up in The Guardian. It's by Rick Samada, and Rick has explained exactly what the ick is, um, although the idea of the ick has been around for a very, very long time. It seems to have picked up pace in the last couple of months or so mm. and it's nice to have a definitive article about it. Lots of stuff online, lots of stuff on TikTok but the ick has turned up in television series in the 90s, Sex in the City. Mm. There was an episode that featured something about the ick and what was the other one with the the lady and the dancing baby that I never watched? Ally McBeal. Ally McBeal <laughs> talked about the ick. You can tell I never watched it, The Lady with the Dancing Baby. I love that that's what it's been distilled down to, <laughs> The Lady with the Dancing Baby. Uh, I think, oh yeah, there was an episode about the ick then. But the ick is essentially um, a point in which your initial attraction to somebody flips and they do something, and it could be something really tiny it's and trivial, yeah, that makes you think, Ugh. I can't. So what are some examples of, of, of the ick? Like, okay, well, there's a list of examples at okay, the end great. of this article. And this article is a little wild, I have to say. There's a, <laughs> there's a poem in it. it it's, I like the poem. You like the poem. I like, oh, look, I, was, I went with the poem. I'm not here to criticise. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's all over the shop, which I quite, quite enjoyed, quite a roller coaster. Um, but the pick of the icks, here's a few of their favourites. When they, and obviously this is an English article too, yep. but um, when they split the bill to the penny. Yeah. I, I look, I agree with that. When they hold the remote up too high to change the TV channel. <laughs> when they bite the fork while eating. Yuck! When they hold a fish in a photo. I mean, that's not that's not an ick. That's a cancellation. I don't think that's an ick. That's just, it's over. Um, when they wait for the shower to warm up. What? Nah. Nah, nah. you got to. What's a weird ick? Yeah. Especially that in the UK. When they chase a ping pong ball. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't read that one. I didn't read Because you, like... you do run in a certain way, don't you? Because you're trying to catch it. It's a tiny little ball oh, and your little legs are running. Awful. <laughs> when they run with a rucksack or a backpack. As well. <laughs> 
Oh no! And this when they own a pencil case. Oh, oh, that's not. I won't fair. hear any shade on pencil cases. Yeah, when <laughs> when they chase a piece of paper in the wind. <laughs> oh, this is good. I'd be leaving a relationship if this happened. When they clap when the plane lands. <laughs> <laughs> But the interesting thing about the ick is that it's it's essentially an attempt, I think, to find something when you know that the connection's not quite there or it's not quite working. I think the you're ick, looking for an out. The ick belies what's really going on right. within the relationship. It's a trigger. It's a trigger. It's a way for us not to sit with our discomfort mm. and actually go, oh no, that's the reason why I left left them, not because it's probably not right. Yeah. I think the ick only happens if things aren't right. It's but tangible. It's a tangible, trivial thing to point yeah. to why this was never going to work. And it does happen earlier on in relationships. That's some of the things that are discussed here by um, a psychotherapist who is included in this wild article <laughs> who talks about the you know, fact that it's probably going to be happening in those early stages of the relationship mm. where you're sort of thinking, is it going to work? But after you've been with someone for a year or two, there's other commitments there mm. and maybe that ick won't tip you over to the other side. The thing that I thought was interesting about this article and I totally agree with is that um, Joe Nickel, who is the psychotherapist mm. who specialises in relationships, says the ick is a projection of our own shame through criticism. And I totally see yes. this because often the things that most frustrate us and infuriate us about others are the things that we actually see in ourselves but we're not emotionally intelligent enough to notice <laughs> it. So all the little things, the chasing of the ping pong ball, the pencil case, whatever it yeah. is. Oh, these the are chasing th- of the ping pong ball, that is so mean. <laughs> yeah. These are things that we see in ourselves and all little other elements that we see in ourselves that we don't like and therefore when they represent in others, that's a, ugh, it's an ick. Yeah, it is an ick. And there's politics around the ick as well. Uh, it it's discusses in the article that quite a bit of what's posted on social media is overwhelmingly posted by women complaining about men. But I think a lot of the time the ick has been the domain of men. So think about they mentioned characters like Chandler from Friends or Jerry Seinfeld who rejected women on a weekly basis for having man hands. That's mm. an ick. Mm. Um, Very true. I wonder if wonder Jerry Seinfeld would reject me for having chicken witch hands. <laughs> What? Chicken witch. Chicken witch? There's only a few people with them in the world. How would you describe chicken witch hands? Chicken witch is like, well, a combination between chicken foot and a witch. Really kind of old. They've been old looking since day dot and they're chicken witch. <laughs> me, and, me and Nicole Kidman have them. I And I've met another woman who I also went, hey, you've got chicken witch. And she went, yeah. And we've been we've been good friends ever since. So, you know. Um, but. There's a discussion that the the current trend of the ick is apolitical because it's a move away from the dominant dating rhetoric of toxicity, red flags and problematic behaviour. This is what the article said. Icks are self-consciously trivial and while humiliating for the ick giver, hardly reflect well on the receiver either. Mm. There's a fallibility on both sides. Mm. Look, it's a great piece. It does end in a poem. Um, (laughs) We're going to put it in the show notes. (laughs) I think there's a lot of things that will connect with a lot of people in this and it's just a fun and wild piece of writing. And I celebrate that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for introducing the world of ick to me. Before we get to our bang on. I just love that sound. It's, it's so fun to do. I enjoy hearing you do it. Um, I, I want to open up the bang box because we've got a question. Um, Anne sent a question. You asked for questions last week. Yeah. Anne is reasonably new to the bang fam. Welcome, Anne. Welcome, Anne. Great to have you. 
So I don't know if you guys have talked about this already. Sorry, she didn't say you guys. And the fact that I've said that is going to become very apparent. I don't know whether you have talked about this already, but what's with the use of the word guys to mean everyone? I Mm. feel like we worked really hard to change mankind to humankind. And now we are so good with taking account of using the correct pronouns. So then why are we using the word guys to mean everyone. Yeah. And I've just betrayed my own use of guys. And I'll say personally that I have never considered guys a male term. I've used guys for a group of people mm. and usually done in a warm way. Hey, guys, pack of friends mm. um, since day dot. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't bother me personally. But where do you stand on guys? Um, I stopped using it quite a long time ago I for the same reasons. I hate it on social media. Mm. Like when, you know, even oh, the big Kar- ones, Kim Kardashian's, yeah. hey, guys, hey, guys. hey guys, I've just been doing this. And uh, hey guys, and it's like it's just every <laughs> fucking influencer post. Hey guys. It's like, no, shut up. And I think it's for that I just have stopped using it because I just find it really annoying. However, I do prefer to use hey everyone, mm. you know, because it is hard to include everybody. Maybe that's the thing. It's not about my feelings about what I feel comfortable with but about how that projects to others. Yeah, yeah. And I just think I, I, I don't I, – I just hate the way it's used, so I just don't use it. Okay, that's a good question. Yeah. Thank you, Anne. Yeah, um, and also it is. It's 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 a – Hey guys, it's a men's. It's a term to to talk about men. So it is a bit exclusive to a yeah. certain degree, even though we've we've watered that down. Yeah. Okay. Valid. I love it. Great question. Anne. Hey everyone. Hey y'all. We can't say y'all because we're not American. Well, I've been saying y'all since I got back from Nashville. I've become I the person it. who's like gone on holidays somewhere and then I brought back the vernacular. Mm. I'm not speaking oh. in a southern accent, but I do have. I've been I've been banging out a few y'alls lately. Yeah. Um, do you say I, New Orleans? Col- do you I, say New Orleans? No, I say New Orleans. New Orleans. Oh, even better. Is, is that cultural appropriation yes. or respect? No, it is know. a cut co- oh, You're know. really taking me down I today. I don't know. I don't know. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to mind. <laughs> we had another answer as well from Rebecca, who is a long-time listener, first-time caller, Loved last week's episode. Thank you, Rebecca. Oh. We did too. It was fully cooked. And thank you for everyone who I think this one us. might be also fully cooked. We were talking about the vibe shift. Um, that was the first question we had last week. Has the vibe shift happened? Well, I think Beyonce's the vibe shift too. This is it. This is a vibe shift. This is a big banner vibe shift for everyone. Mm. For Rebecca, it is happened. She's completely on board with the vibe shift train. She got a first class ticket, in fact. A few things have contributed to my vibe shift, including the pandemic, says Rebecca. I look at where I was sitting with my life at the end of 2019 and now I am completely not that person. Rebecca's been spending a lot of time on my own in my garden, uh, which I love. I've mm. been doing the same. But also found that that was the only time where she could truly be alone. She lives with three teenagers and a husband working from home. Oh, the house been was a lot. full. <laughs> um, but at the time, I was same alone time, during the pandemic, but quite frankly, I think I got the Happier better, alone. Better. When I hear stuff like that, I'm like, oh, God, my time was tough, but no, not that tough. Yeah, it's a lot. So Rebecca's out in the garden listening to a lot of podcasts and a lot of things have happened personally. She's had surgery. She's not been working. She's had a mother that's gone into aged care and also the general world mood shift. But out of all of that, Rebecca says, I feel I've returned to a much happier version of myself cut out the bullshit and nut jobs from my life, yeah. created a job for myself yeah. that ticks a lot of boxes, so much personal growth. And I agree, it does take something massive in your life for you to reevaluate 
And this is the vibe shift, isn't yeah. it? Cutting out all the bullshit is key to the vibe shift, I think. Mm-hmm. What we are talking about before in a really flippant way, going to gigs midweek because it's like we know what it's like when it's gone, so grab that moment. Today's all you have mm. in a positive way. Yeah. So thank you so much, Rebecca. We love that and we love getting all of your emails in the bang box. Love the questions and the emails. Just the best. Yeah, and the reviews are great too. Thank you. Thank you for your beautiful reviews. A few more coming through in Apple Podcasts this week too. We love them. Um, we're going to get into Bang On in just a moment, mm. but what we're banging on about, but I just wanted to give a heads up to the Bang fam. Spicks and Specs returns this <laughs> Sunday. It does. Like longer episodes. Yeah. 45 minutes or something. Yes. Yeah. So they start, I think it starts at 7.45. Oh, my God. Sunday night, ABC TV. Come on over. Give us some eyeballs on it. I'm a little bit scared. We're up against, what are we up against? The block. We're up against the masked singer. It, we're up against a lot. It's going to be hard to, to put a dent in any of those. So it'd be nice if we got some eyes on it. Spicks and Specs is the most wholesome of the bunch, though. That's true. And That's true. so many great guests coming through this season as well. Including you. I didn't want to say anything. Not on this this first episode, but you'll be on, when's your episode? I can't say, but in a few weeks. Okay, in a few weeks. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure we let them know. It was such a pleasure to have you on my team, though. Oh, my God. It was so fun. And the... Yeah, the games are great. There's a new game as well that I think people are going to love playing along. I hated with this from game. Home. It's really hard. It was really but hard. But full nerds who aren't filming a TV show who can actually focus on all the intricate little clues that are placed through the show work. will love this. I know. It's definitely one for everyone at home. So Spicks and Specs on ABC TV this Sunday night just after the news. What are you banging on about this week? This week, um, I've been pretty busy. I'm I'm recording my audio book at the moment, which is a bit of a so you're telling <laughs> your life experience. back to yourself, telling my life back to myself, and telling myself I'm a terrible writer, and, and, <laughs> and you know all those things. I was like, who wrote this? Oh, that's right, it was me. Telling everybody, everybody. Um, telling everybody what you did all your life. So I haven't had a lot of time to watch things. So I, but I have caught up with um, that cute little series that's on ABC Aftertaste series two. Oh yeah, nice. It's really cute. Yeah. Filmed in South. Australia, I love those vibes. Bit of grapevine vibes. Um, Eric Thompson, <laughs> anything in on a on a vineyard makes me happy because yeah. that makes me feel like I'm, you know, at home. Um, and uh, Natalie Abbott is excellent as Diana, the 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 daughter of of Eric Thompson's character's sister, and they don't get along at all. They're, he's a celebrity chef that is is a bit of an asshole, to be honest. Um, and she's an up and comer. Rachel Griffiths is in it. It's just a cute series. There's lots of funny one liners, and you know, it's a bit a bit crazy and wacky, and it's right up my right up my alley. More wholesome content. Yeah, more wholesome content. Love it. So that's on ABC iView. What mm-hmm. night is on ABC TV? No idea. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the facts. I'm not here for the facts. I just watched it on iView. Uh, but it is on one night, apparently. <laughs> okay. Good. Um, what are you banging on about? I'm banging on about a book. And it's interesting that you're banging on about Aftertaste because this is one that well and truly lives in the foodie world as well. Oh, is this a Kitchen Confidential type? Kind of, but I reckon – I mean, I haven't read Kitchen Confidential – but very different tone um, because it is by an author by the name of Jess Ho. Now, if you don't know Jess, Jess has been an integral part of the Melbourne foodie scene. They used to be uh, like the maitre d' at a quite famous Thai restaurant, fancy restaurant in the CBD. Fancy. Fancy. Um, Ran a wine bar, have written about food, and also I think briefly uh, was part of the restaurant revolution show, which was like a cooking show on Channel 7 that ran for one season, didn't do very well. But Jess is also the daughter of Chinese immigrants and came from a family life that wasn't terribly warm. 
And this incredible memoir is just so compelling from beginning to end. I loved this. I do live in Melbourne and as I was reading this, I was like, oh, I think I know what they're talking about. And I was yeah. right with various <laughs> restaurants and things like that. So that was kind of, you know, interesting. But it is a really interesting um, perspective, particularly as, as, you know, someone who has um, been to a couple of these restaurants. Who's eaten a lot, like I've, eat, I've eaten a lot. I love <laughs> I've food. Eat, I love eating around the world and but that wasn't a diss at all. Me too. <laughs> it's the perspective of the people who are serving you, you mm. know, and how hard the job is and also um, how awful some um, patrons can be. Oh, um, and just the dance, the theatre of fun fine dining and everything that goes along with foodie culture mm. and, of course, the, the the macho nature of it, the very male-dominated nature of this scene yeah. and having that perspective from Jess who really just cuts it down and also cuts down the appropriation of different cultures into fine dining mm. and um, the way that various white-run restaurants do it. I just found it so compelling and so brilliantly written. And it's also got um, a fair bit of heartbreak in it too for uh, various reasons, but loved it. So it's just been released. Oh. Raised by Wolves is the title of it. It is a memoir by Jess Ho, and I just think that they did an amazing job with this. I That's loved great. it to bits. That's great. And I wanted to read a book this week as well. I've been reading it the last couple of weeks, but I made sure I finished it because this weekend RN is doing their big weekend of books, which is kind of like a writer's festival on air. So if you're a book nerd like me, um, make sure you flick over to RN over the weekend. There's going to be a bunch of great conversations. People like Warren Ellis are going to be on, Tim, oh. Tim Winton, Sarah Krasnerstein. Um, oh, I love all of those people. Evelyn Araluen. So many great writers and they're going to be talking books. There's going to be book reviews. It's going to be just a big old book nerd sesh book club over the weekend. So jump onto RN um, and, and have a little listen through your ABC Listen app. It's going to be a very big weekend of books. Warren Ellis talking about his book Nina Simone's Gum is something I need to put on my list to do. Hell yeah. because that, Beautiful spirit. Yeah. Beautiful man. Love it. Wow. Today was a big episode. I liked it. Speaking of big festivals too, I am looking forward to seeing you host the opening night of the Melbourne International Film Festival tonight. Oh yeah, how exciting! Razzle dazzle. This is this is the gig I was meant I was born to do. Miff opens Miff. Oh my god! I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I'm saving that joke for tonight. So if yes! you hear it, if you hear this early and you're there, um, yeah, I'll be saving that. That'll be my that'll be my my one line. There'll be someone in the audience who's listened to Bang On Early and just doing like a slow clap as they hear you execute that line. I love it, and that will be me. Yeah, no, I'm here to support you. Thank you. Sam. I have fun tonight. Um, Thank you. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Can't Bye, wait. Bye. Oh, hang on. on.